G'day listeners, welcome to Bar Karate, the sailing podcast. My name's Jordan Spencer and it's that time of the week where we get to hang out with some really cool sailors. But of course I have to share the mic with my idiot mates. This week it's one, um, let's welcome to the microphone. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. It's Nick Bice. Bice Where's the other one gone? I think he's, he's missing. He's missing. Missing action. It's, it's pitch black where he is, he's sound asleep I think is where is the story. Yeah, in the uh, UK. Mm. Um, how's your week been, Jordan? You reached some milestone this week? <laughs> no milestones, mate. No, no, it's just hey? another year older, that's all. Another year older, mm. or what do they say, another lap around the sun. You've done a few, mate, oh, I've, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah. You've done plenty. <laughs> the evidence is stacking up on that too, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, opening day season's kicked off in Adelaide. Yep. Um, there's a bunch of opening days yesterday. Yep. Um, I went to a few of the clubs and they've all listened to me and taken your photos down, mate. <laughs> Brighton, Adelaide, no such thing as Jordan Spencer. You've just gone and forgotten these days. Well, so uh, there'll be a surprise later on in this discussion for you, mate, about all that stuff. So just you just yeah, wait cool. and see. Yeah. All right, standing by. Standing, standing by. by. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, congratulations on being the Commodore now. We dropped the bias from the name, so you're no longer the shit Commodore in Sweden. You are just the Commodore, so that's good. Just, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, shall we roll into this one? We shall. But yeah. I'll... Before we start, though, mm-hmm. I have I'm running a bit of a book. I've yep. told a few guys who's on this show, and um, they seem to think you might mention the worm catwacker several times. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the letters we've got in this week is that he signed off as a catwacker. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be interested uh, with our guests uh, today if they do have uh, terminology for monohole sailors. I'm quite interested to see what that is. But <laughs> our guest today, um, a, a pair of people that uh, I'm, I've been really happy and that have been very excited for over the last two weeks because uh, they've just won the world champs in the Masters at the Hobie 16 Worlds and then they won the Open World Champs uh, following straight on up. So uh, I think the Hobies do it slightly different where you just don't compile all the results. They have separate regattas. So it's been a great few weeks for this pairing. Um, mm. Known them for quite a while. So let's welcome to the show and can see what they can tell us about uh, the joys that is Hobie 16 sailing. So can I welcome Cam Owen and Susie Gant. How are you, team? Yeah, good, good, great, guys. Yeah, very well, thanks, Jordan. Bicey, very happy. Very happy. Congratulations, you two. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We uh, yeah, we had a good regatta, a couple of good regattas. We did. I, I f- do you get do you get launch into like a mad Monday? It's the <laughs> end of footy season, and it has that feel a lot at of the moment, teams, doesn't it? So, yeah, how are the uh, celebrations go? <laughs> oh, look. We're, we're probably a bit slow on the day after the regatta. The presentation night ended up quite. Uh, Quite a late night on the beach in Spain there at uh, Allegra at the Caravan Park. That was good. Yeah, a bit, bit slow the next day, I've got to say. The, the, the word has got back, is all I'll say, that you guys uh, did manage to achieve quite a good outcome on the celebrations as well as winning the world. So, you know, word has got back. So congratulations on that. Yeah, there is a bit of uh, video footage around. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and it wouldn't be a hobby regatta without that. Yeah. yeah, no, the um, the community is a bit of fun, so um, everyone gathered together, 
um, tried in a, a bungalow after the presentation, but the security quickly shut that down and um, the party ended up on the beach where it all began, so it was a bit of fun. It's mm. nice. So you guys have been appearing for quite a while now in, in the Hobie and um, you've been there or thereabouts uh, at the World Championship level, you know. I think you've, you've had a second before, but you've been right there uh, threatening for a long, long time. And this time was the breakthrough. Is, do you feel like relief or do you feel ecstatic? You know, what's, what's the, the thought process at the moment? Look, for me, it's relief. It's, it's really good to have done it because, as you say, we've got a second, we've got a third, we've got a fourth. We've been knocking on the door and um, we put a lot of work into it to try and, to try and get to, to the win and um, it, it's quite stressful getting there and in the regatta um, scenario. But, yeah, we're, we're pretty relieved and pretty ecstatic too. You know, it's good to tick the box. At, at, at my age, I thought it might have been past us, but, uh, no, we're really really glad to get there. Yeah. What did you, what did you change this time up, Cam or Susie? Uh, oh, Anything or just per- persistent? Look, I think we, we probably were as well prepared as we've ever been before. The weather and a few things went our way. You know, you don't win a world championship unless a few things go your way. Mm. The way they they do the draw and they set up the fleets because you're all right, you're sailing off in um, in rounds, round robin type thing. We we got a good run of most of that sort of stuff, and and you know we learned some lessons about um, consistency more so than anything else. Uh, and previously we've had some high numbers that have really hurt us, so we really focused on just keeping. Low numbers. We didn't. We only won one heat. We, we were just always, always there. But our worst was a, was an eighth, I think. So it was just a matter of just being there all the time and waiting for everyone else to make mistakes. I think that's what that's what we really tried to do. Because previously, we're the ones that have made those big mistakes. Yeah. yeah the few times where we just sort of managed our risk and we didn't go for the win. Um, we just yeah happy to to take the two or the three and get some keep some good numbers on the board. So you're talking from my coaching book, but I, I suspect you may have put that into my coaching book. We've known each other a long time, and uh, <laughs> that, that's some wise discussions right there. So well done. I love it. I love that sort of discussion. Mm. Yeah, I'm lucky I have a coach on board, Jordan. I don't get away with much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we have to talk about one aspect, though. Um, it wasn't just you guys first. Uh, I'm pretty certain third and fifth – we're all from the same yacht club, Nedlands Yacht Club. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. So Darren and Claire um, were in third from Nedlands Yacht Club as well in Perth. Um, we're also from Neddy's and Royal Freshwater Bay. Yep. Them of club too. So, yeah, Darren and Claire, um, they're always there with us in club racing every week. And I guess you'd say we're training partners. You know, we sort of hook up together when we're going to a major competition and um, sail together when we can. And, um, and, and do as much racing together as we can too. So yeah. sort of- And Gavin Joe's in fifth. They are, you know, Gavin's probably the fastest Hobie sailor you'll ever see. He's really? um, always there, two-time world champion. And he sort of um, hasn't been too heavily involved in the Hobie scene over the last few years. But certainly when I first moved over to Perth, you know, early 2000s, he was heavily involved and, and leading the uh, – Leading the fleet around the marks, and he's still he's still doing that whenever he jumps on board. So we're we're really lucky to have a solid foundation, and it's 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 probably supported by twenty odd boats on, on a weekly basis out of Nedland. Mm. So it's always there's always pressure on you. Never never an easy race, and and that that 
shows in the results. It's um, now, so no disrespect to Raw Freshwater Bay Yacht Club, but I'm setting something up here, so just keep going. Some real <laughs> talent, real talent has come out of Nedlands Yacht Club over many, many years, particularly in the Cats, but in, in all forms. There. It's, a, it's a great little club, that one. Yeah, look, it has, and we've got a couple of a uh, couple of teams about to sail in the F eighteen worlds over in Clearwater, Florida. Um, so, between sixteens and F 18s we're, we're up the front end of most fleets, most most regattas. Um, so, it, it is a it's a primarily. I mean, there's a cruiser fleet, but primarily at the moment, it's a, it's a cat fleet. And you know, coming, I, I grew up in Melbourne, and coming from there to Netherlands, it took me a while to get my head around how they race. It's pretty old school. They, they go these massive long races around fixed marks on the river every Sunday yep. and uh, <laughs> rather the old short course stuff and they all rock up in their, uh, in their Navy uniforms and it's very formal, but, but it's, it's a nice place. There's grass down to the river and the sailing's really good. My, um, <clears throat> my first race, my first yacht club, Netherlands Yacht Club, so uh, first race I steered a boat uh, one and uh, yeah at Netherlands and uh, you know foundation of my love for the sport so oh. yeah, still, and you've never looking back are you Jordan still got my photo over the bar there boss. is there a photo of Netherlands of you Jordan <laughs> <laughs> we'll go and check that out and make yeah. sure just yeah. put one up for the for the this yeah. week can you see <laughs> yeah we'll do <laughs> hey um you referred to the format of the worlds like the round robin how how does that all work oh. It's it's unique, I've got to say. You, you turn up to a Hobie Worlds and there's 50 brand new boats on the beach. So every in, in the mar the Worlds is a little bit different from the Masters. The Masters every year you uh, you just race a race, come in, change boats, race another race, come in, change boats. Ideally, sometimes the weather uh, is is a bit tough, so we'll do back to back races on the one boat. But when you get into the uh, opens, they run a there's a, a qualifying series for those mm -hmm. who haven't pre-qualified. So we've pre-qualified through our results in Australia. So we got into the top 96. But if you're outside of that, there's a pre-qualifying series. So you can get in there and qualify. So once they get the cut for the semis, you get into the semifinals. And that's 40, 48 boat fleets. You rotate. They divide, they divide you up into groups and rotate you through those, those 48 boats. So everyone sails against each other at least. Uh, and even an equal amount. So this time I think we got four races in, so we sailed against each other, you know, at once, minimum, maybe twice. And the idea is you you do one race, you come in, swap boats if you're up, or you might be sitting that one out. So every race you mm. uh, you get a different boat, so you've got to come in and you might have wow. 10, 15 minutes to set your boat up and go back out. So wow. it's pretty brutal and you've got to be pretty efficient and know what you're doing. Um, and then from that 90, 96 boats, they'll cut the, the top 48 and the scores you have in the semis carry over to the finals and, and, and you've got two days of racing against the top 48. And or, always swapping boats. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Weather permitting, we did a lot of back-to-back -back this time. Like we didn't do, in the last world, we had to do a whole lot of really quick boat changeovers and, and it's, mm. it's, it's tough, you know, it's really it's really difficult to get it done in the time time that you have, but this time because it was the weather was a bit a bit tricky, we did more back to back stuff. Mm. Jeez, that's um, that's incredible because they are one design boat, but there's you know there's a little bit in setting them up. I, I, I'm not an expert in any way, but <clears throat> there is 
you do have to do a few little adjustments, make sure it's perfect. And given Cam, you know, you're the social butterfly off chatting and Suze is really technical and she's probably doing all the work. <laughs> I'm a bit of a nerd, yeah. But <laughs> uh, she's cracking the whip, yeah. There you go. Have you done that? Oh, oops. <laughs> no, we've, got a, we've got a routine, Jordan, as um, I'm sure you can understand, a bit of a checklist. And, yeah. You know, it's all like nicely planned out. And a priority list. We know we, we know what we have to do because if you can't, sometimes you just cannot get everything done and you've got to resolve it on the way out to the start. Yeah. But there's stuff you've just got to do on the beach and there's fundamental fundamental settings that you've got to get right before you leave the beach and you focus on that. So you can adjust the rudders um, and, you know, where you put your jib tack and your side state adjustments and... Um, you know, those are sort of the key things you need to do on the beach, particularly the rudders. Um, you don't want your skipper whinging that his, his arms being ripped off all around the course. Yeah. <laughs> some people do some funky things with the rudders. We've had them raking them back and we've had main sheets untwisted. Not so much this time, but previously there have been some um, crazy boat setups that you had to deal with. Yeah, so you have a boat briefing before each series yeah. and the beach team basically, they give you the rules, they tell you what you can and can't do with the boats, um, but it's all pretty standard year to year. So, yeah, we've got a bit of a routine happening by now, which has been good. I, I'm intrigued, boss. You're probably the same. Like, that, to get to the top of the world, right, you'd think that everyone would be, you know, things would get close to one corner of the envelope. This is where we know things are fast. And then you're saying that you could get completely different setups out there. Oh, we, had, we had someone... Um, I think it might have been Rod Waterhouse came up to us uh, at the Worlds and said, I've been sailing these boats since 1976 or 72 <laughs> and I've never seen anyone set it up the way you guys do. And it's like, they're the same. I'm not too sure how we can be that different to what you've always seen before. Yeah. But, um, the differences are subtle. Uh, they're subtle and it's, there's not too many controls to play with. You, you, once you're actually... on, Once you're actually sailing, you know, you can't adjust the downhaul. You can't, you can't adjust anything apart from traveller, main sheet, jib traveller and jib sheet. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's just a whole lot of subtleties. Mm. I thought it was... Are there any nations yeah. or any time you jump on a boat and a particular nation's been sailing it and it, you're like, whoa, <laughs> it's a dodge. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sort of just expect that from yeah. anyone just in case and we check everything. But um, they, they, probably yeah, sure. about they, Australia. they probably say it about us. Yeah, yeah, bloody Aussies. <laughs> Often we get off and, you know, we might have, we've done really well in the race and, and we come in and give the boat to someone else and they sort of look at us funny and go, you, you done anything or, to or this? Or had the Austrians <laughs> take one of our boats after the race, after one of the races and they said, how'd it go? Said, yeah, it's all right. We liked it. We got a couple yeah. of seconds or something. Take it exactly as we Take it or leave it. And they yeah. said, oh, I reckon we'll have a go at it. So they took it out. They came back and, never, and said, oh, I'm never using that setup again. That was shocking. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We told you. Everyone sells the boat a bit differently, and we're probably a bit unique the way we set ours up. Mm. Hey, I've got an idea for you guys, right? I'm not going to try and tell you to, to reset your boat, but I've got an idea for the, the psychological warfare that is, is winning world championships. What you need to do is once the racing's over and you're sailing back into shore, have a whole bunch of empty beer cans that somebody just hands <laughs> over to, and then stash them all around the boat, and they'll just go. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I love it. No, we, well, had a, uh, we had a we had we had a 
there's member we had a quite big Australian contingent at the Worlds and there was always someone allocated to bring beers around uh, when we hit the beach. So there was no shortage of beers. Nice. Well, nice. we needed them. How's the Spanish? Cerveza. Cerveza, yeah. Sangria, cerveza. Ben Paola. Although I don't think I can pronounce it properly, but yeah. So how did this uh, partnership kick mm. off, Cam and Sos? It was actually Darren's fault. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sailing in the Hobie Wilds in South Africa in, um, what year was that, 2005, Port Elizabeth. And, um, yeah, came in after the regatta, caught up with Darren on the beach, and he said, oh, the the Nationals are in Perth. Um, I was living in Sydney at the time. He said, oh, the Nationals are in Perth. You should come home and uh, and do the Nationals. Remember that guy, Cam Owen, that used to sail around on an ACAT? He's eventually seen the light and bought a 16 and he needs a crew. Um, so, yeah, off, off we went and did our first Nationals together um, in Perth. And, yeah, our scorecard's pretty hilarious. I think we started off with 17s and not so great scores and in the end we were coming out with wins and we went right now you finally learned how to sail a hobie 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a bit of a unique boat yeah. um yeah and then we just sort of went from there and yeah, yeah decided to keep going at it keep trying we yeah did a bit of training got some good scores and yeah kept, kept going crack. yeah look when i was um I'd actually take, I'd, I'd, as Sue says, I was sailing A classes and stuff like that. And I got a bit, bit over it because I, I was originally from Melbourne. And then when I moved over here, I couldn't, could not stay on the pace. You know, it was difficult because there was no competition. I'd come from a really deep base in Melbourne and then got a bit sick, moved down, got a bit sick of it, moved down south and was windsurfing quite a bit. And, and then the old bug got back, back to me. So I bought this Hobie cat. And I uh, started sailing with Sue's and, and they are, the transition was tough because it, it, it was just not a, they're just not a normal boat. <laughs> and uh, I, I ended up coming to the conclusion that if it feels really slow and rubbish, you're going quick. Really? <laughs> it was, from you know, the A class, you'd be trying to get speed and lift off the foils. These things, you just, but we finally got my head around it <laughs> and wow. love it now. Wow. So, so was that frustrating at the start or it was just you could tell that things were going to be good? No, it was actually interesting. And I could tell that um, on your camera's a pretty good helm. And I know that because, um, you know, being a helm myself in um, other types of boats with only one hull, um, <laughs> I knew that the Hobie 16 felt weird. And if you put me on the helm, I sort of go, yeah, I, I get it. I get what you're talking about. It doesn't have a feel that you're used to from other boats. It's quite quite different. Um, so I understood where he's coming from. So I guess for me it was more interesting because sitting on the front of a Hobie 16 in the crew role, um, I could feel when the boat was fast and slow. Yep. But if he gave me the helm, I went, no, mm. no I can't feel it anymore either. So I guess it was um, something we worked together on where I could sort of go, no, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. What what are you doing? Try something different. <laughs> oh, and we're still going through that process. I've got to say, <laughs> we're, we're still, still going through that yeah, process. We get sure. it wrong. And, you know, this, the lead up to this world was probably a classic example of it. We'd been stuck in WA, COVID. We weren't allowed to leave the state for a long time and we'd been bashing around in 25 knots for a lot of that against Darren and Claire and she's real quick in 25 knots. <laughs> and then um, 
we thought well, the worlds are coming up and we're allowed out of the state. We went to Melbourne and visited my parents and back to where I came from. And, and that's that, March this year. That was March this year and there was a Victorian <laughs> state title. So we were fortunate enough to get a boat for the Victorian states and uh, we got spanked, you know. We were just hopeless. We were just like, well, we got fourth or something like that, which was pretty disappointing. But we just had forgotten. We just weren't set up right. We, was, we, were, we just drifted away from where we should have been just to be by not competing. Um, so then we, we did a similar thing. We went to uh, Queensland where we bumped into you at RQ yep. for the Queensland States and, and struggled a little bit again with, with the transition to some lighter, lighter conditions. We're okay on the windy second day, but we, we were just struggling to get that transition back to the speed we needed when it was lighter. Um, oh, we missed a ley line and yeah. then we realised that was really good for us. We sort of missed a, a ley line and, um, you know, put us back into into second place, um, I guess, with those points and sort of thought, oh, that, li- that ley line got us um, for the regatta overall and we realised that sailing around at home, around our fixed markers on the river at mm. Netherlands, we're not looking at the ley lines anymore. Mm-hmm. We yeah. know which tower to tack on. Or, you know, we hit, we hit a point, we hit a corner and we got to tack out and we started sailing the same course all the time, the same track, and you don't look at look at it properly anymore. Yeah, so we were, really, we were really fortunate that we could do two or three of those regattas. And the other beauty of that was it, it gave us a chance to set up three or four different boats, which is what you, we were just talking about, how you, when you get to the world, you've got to set up a boat. And that's half the, half the challenge, being able to set it up quickly and efficiently and have it uh, sail properly. Um, and when you're sailing your own boat all the time, you just pull it onto the marks and tick it off and sail. So, yeah, you, it, it's a, we're always learning. It's interesting. And you reckon that um, given that you are on the river and it is 25 knots every day, <laughs> did you take that into your strategy going into the worlds as well in the sense of trying to sail in some lighter conditions? Yes, whenever we could. And we were really lucky. That's a good point, Bryce. We were really lucky that um, the world was after our winter because 25 knots is a summer breeze, but over yeah. winter it becomes quite um, quite light, quite variable. It's either a lot of all or nothing. Um, and we get the opportunity to do winter series at various clubs. So we're, we're really lucky in Perth because there's the Fremantle run a winter series. It's really well well raced and well run and it's um, out in the ocean in exactly the conditions we were trying to train in. Jervis Bay down the road also did a winter series and we were able, able to get to that. Netherlands did a winter series. We had racing up at Geraldton plus a couple of trips over east. So we really were fortunate that they ran it at the end of our winter rather than the end of our summer and we got that variety of mm. conditions. But originally it was going to be in May and if it had been in May, I think we would have been in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, and well. we wouldn't have been as well prepared. I think it would have mm. taken us a bit of time to um to get into it properly. You guys um I mean given that little build up there's a lot of sailing but you've always done a lot of sailing as a pair you two like when I sort of I always see your results and always looking so you know, you've done all, you're doing Euros, doing the Worlds, you did that pro, this is a pro sale event or something, I remember you doing something like that, you know, like you yeah. guys. That's fun, yeah. Do, do, how do you work? <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me about work, this week's been horrible. But, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's, we just, um, we, we, we enjoy, obviously we enjoy the sailing and we take the opportunities when we can, but a lot of them are just we're in and out. We go and do the regatta and we come home. So it doesn't give us too much time 
for holidays and uh, and stuff like that. So that's our time off, really. Yeah, regattas. Yeah, and I work in the sport, so I know. Um, luckily, uh, I guess there's an, an understanding that that's that's a good thing to do. Is <laughs> to sail. What one of the yeah, uh, we work really hard though in between. So of course. Up. With you, Sue's with your work, obviously, uh, you do, you're the offshore admin at Royal Freshwater Bay, so um, <coughs> it, it's quite clever of them to get an inshore sailor to do the offshore admin until you, you're always available. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, no, I quite enjoy the um, looking after the offshore racing. That's just a small part of the, um, what we do at Royal Freshwater Bay being um, a river club. Yeah. And, um, yeah, look after membership as well. So we've got a, a pretty big membership. It's a pretty big club. So um, that's that's a really exciting role that, that I get to do now. Well, we, we get a lot of feedback from some of your members. There's a few of them send us videos and all sorts of stuff. So we're, we've got a lot of uh, – yeah. We, <laughs> we but it's quite bit. strange the times that they roll in, though, <laughs> when you look at when that email was received. Oh, yeah. There's obviously something on at the club tonight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, So (laughs) why do you think you've had the success? What do you think it was that that got you there? Like you said, a few things fall your way and time on the water. Do you think that little group at Nedlands has been a real contributor or you just guys are naturally brilliant? I think we're naturally brilliant, to be honest. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was a silly question, John. Honestly, yeah, without without primarily Darren and Claire, they are always they're relentless. I've got to say, it's there's never an easy race with those guys, and um, they are always keen to go sailing and, and training with us, especially leading up to a world um, or or a Euros or, or a winter program. So look, we're we're very fortunate to have them, and I'd say without that, without that boat on boat, you know the the the. the catapulting type process you get when you've got a good training partner there's no way there's no way we, we could have been there um and there's heaps of depth in our fleet though so you know if you make a mistake then um there's always someone there ready to to jump onto that place and and grab it um we have a um quite a big fleet at Nedlands yacht club and we have an a fleet and a b fleet so the B fleet boats actually start first, five minutes ahead, and then uh, the A fleet boats start behind. And the idea there is that the um, the B fleet get to see the A fleet sailing through the fleet, and they get to learn and sort of watch what what we do, um, which is a great way to have it. Mm. But it also gives us um, some boats to some chase traffic, yeah. and yeah, some traffic around marks and um, and people to hunt down and. Well, you get towards the end of the season and they're getting faster and faster and harder to catch. So yeah. I think that's a good, that's a great sort of setup that we have here in Perth. But look, also, it's been, we've been doing Hobie World since 2007, I think was the first one we did. And every one you pick up a little bit more, you learn to do it a little bit better and you learn from the mistakes of the previous ones. So from our last ones in, in Florida, I'm, I'm not too sure if you remember this, but I actually smashed Suze's hand in the um oh that's right yes in the where yeah, we were we were leading the masters series and I, I we had an incident and I crushed her hand and broke crushed two joints and broke a couple of bones and uh ended up in hospital and having to forfeit the masters series and um then we sailed the open with with one hand and th- those sort of stupid things can really cost you and they really cost 
you know, a year of rehab and all that sort of stuff. So we were, we were pretty keen to to get over that and, and sail properly this time and not do anything silly. So it's, it's not so much that, but every world you pick up other, other lessons and, and, and how to control your scores and how to control the fleet and how, where to sail and what scenarios, how you have to deal with certain things that come up in, in races. And uh, we put a lot of that together this time. So to experience as much as um, planning and, and, so, and planning and, and preparation. Yeah, we sort of trained for a lot of different things as well. So um, when we were sailing by ourselves, we would sort of make up a bit of a scenario in our heads and, and practice for it. And I think that really helped us in the worlds too. Um, just having, for example, at a gate mark, um, we, we trained for Cam to just go anyway and not tell me where it was going. So we could um, deal with a last-minute change because of traffic. And yeah. we certainly... Um, made some gains through being able to do that at the Worlds too. Just, right, we've, we've got the option to go the other way if we need to, if this turns pear-shaped and, and then Cam doesn't have to talk to me, we can just do it, just make the call. So, mm. um, yeah, I think we've got a pretty um, pretty good routine too. You know, we like to, to be prepared and we'll write everything. Oh, do, do I do that bit? <laughs> I'm the nerd. Sue's very prepared. <laughs> write everything down, you know. Old school, like you learn when you're a junior sailor, write it all down, have a little training log. And, um, yeah, it's funny, actually, to go back um, and read your training log from a few years before and go, shit, we already learned that yeah. years ago. <laughs> Still making that mistake. Far out. Let's read that again. <laughs> Two responses to, to, to that is um, obviously, uh, one, making mistakes in Florida is pretty much tradition. You know, Florida man, everything everything bad goes happens in Florida. Yeah. And then I've forgotten the second response. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about the, the equipment. Have the has that evolved in the sixteens or you're pretty much sailing the same boat that was around all those years ago? Look, it's it oh, look, I've only been on them since Two thousand and five. So they're pretty similar to what they have been since I've been on them, but since 1972, when they first came out, there has been improvements in materials and, and mm. equipment and fittings and and the like. But in the last 20-odd years, they have settled down. But there's always been a problem between European and rest and Australian or American boats. There, there, there were subtle but significant differences between the two. This time, the worlds, they've drawn a line and come up with a global boat, so they've, they've got rid of all the, all the, the differences, all the castings that, were, that have had sort of diverged over time have all been replaced. So now the worlds, the boats we sailed at this worlds are what they're calling the global boat. So now they've standardised yep. them, and they're very, very much what we have been sailing in Australia and America and the Pacific since, you know, since... No, to year two thousand, I guess. They're just the Europeans had some some crazy setups that I don't know how they started, but they did. They have been traditionally a little bit different, but not anymore. Mm. But no, they're all the same. There's nothing to no. There's no nothing to uh, technolo- technologically advanced. It's the, probably just the improvement in materials and blocks and fittings and ropes and the like. And, and um, ha- how many boats have you had? Can you keep a 16 for a while or you chew through them a bit? Um, we keep them for a while. We've got one that, that we've got um, two. yeah, we've got one that's 10, 10 or 11 years old that we do a lot of sailing on. We've got one that's two years old that well, a year and a half old. Yeah. So we have a, 
we have a boat that's just in the club masked up that we can just sail all the time. Mm. And we have a, another boat that's our good racing one. But the boat that's masked up, you know, that that's still pretty good. It got second in the States a couple of years ago and uh, it's fine. But they, 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 they do just get old, but the, the, new, mm. the new boats aren't that much better. I should say for Hobie Cat, everyone should be out buying new boats because it makes a big difference. And <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that sort of whole element, you know, where their boats are supplied at the world, so obviously there's a lot of boats suddenly come onto the market available there. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I, I almost like a day, because you spend so much time perfecting your boat, you know, my our background, you, you know, you, you're always working on your boats and then you go to a world champs and you're just randomly allocated. But I guess if it came down to my crucial decision factor, money, is it um, is it... The entry fees high because of the you're getting they're issuing new boats or the entry fee could, and you don't have to ship anything over or you know like is it cheaper to do Hobie Worlds is what I'm asking. Yeah, we think so. We've had this conversation with a, a few people and um, yeah, the entry fee. Oh, I don't even know what the entry fee was. It's pretty, it feels pretty high. It feels yeah. pretty high, but I think it's good value. It's nowhere near as high. Lot. Yeah, it's nowhere near as high as putting a boat in a container and shipping it around the world. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. Uh, Extremely good value to rock up to a regatta with your trapeze harness and your life jacket, and um, and that's all you really need to take. Uh, so, it, and I think in the current environment, there's, it'd be difficult to have a world with all the shipping costs and the container mm. shortages and the delays. We had examples of boats not turning up to F18 Europeans and, and the yep. like. So, look. Yeah, as far as it goes, it's brilliant. And all those boats at the Worlds are pre-sold. So they're either pre-sold to sailors. So you're getting them at a significant discount on a new boat. And um, dealers pick them up and sell them as, as second-hand boats. So they're all, um, and in Europe, 60 boats won't make much of a dent. Right. But Shit, there must be some 16s out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everywhere. You drive down your street, you oh, probably mate. halfway every second house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I think the next world you're in Oz, though. So if anybody's listening to this show and wants to get one, I reckon chance is coming this way. Am I right? Are the world's in Oz next? Oh, have you got some well, intel? Yeah, we haven't heard that. You know something we don't know? We oh, maybe I'm thinking the windsurfers. Sorry, maybe I... I windsurfer. I, the LT worlds are in Perth. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's coming. But um, the world's probably won't be in Australia, I don't think. I oh. think uh, we'll wait with bated breath to see where they are. Okay, well... On that point, then one of the things I've seen, I've noticed, and I've never really asked, um, they seem to put the Hobie Worlds in really cool locations, you know, like holiday destinations, party sort of destinations, good, mm. good places to go to. Is that is that right? Is that part of the philosophy of the class? Yeah, I think they try and um, hold it at a place where everyone can sort of stay together, um, like Florida, for example, or Captiva Island, and. Um, everyone stayed at the same place. It was really only one place to stay. Um, and in Spain, we were at um, La Bellina Alegre um, well in Costa Brava. Yeah. The well, LTs were there one. recently too, and I think the Optimists are going to go there Yeah, the Opti Worlds are there, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's one huge bungalow park, and it was great. Everything was there. There's the supermarkets, restaurants, um, great big long beach, and all of the competitors could stay there, whether they wanted to camp in, or stay in a caravan. Um, or get a bungalow, uh, there was something for everyone. So I think that's mm. part of the strategy to... Well, I think, but the answer is, Jordan, they try, but they don't always get it right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where's the best and the worst place you've been oh. there? Oh, I know that. Well, oh. well... Oh. oh, hang on, 
this one was the best. This was this yeah. was very yeah yeah. Costa Brava. Costa was Brava great. was a, the best. If you ever get a chance to go to that place for a gather, it is it is ideal. It's so good. We had one in China that wasn't particularly good, <laughs> from a lot of fronts. Um, yeah, that was a bit rough, but um, generally they generally they're good. They try, so but uh, I think over the time, the the best ever was in Mexico, and that was before mm. my time, so I missed that one, unfortunately. Did you? Mm. You didn't go to that. No, oh, I didn't. No. Hey, see, so you both missed out on Mexico. bice has been to Mexico, had some fun experiences there, haven't you, bud? Mm, yeah, I'm still paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> um what well what's next for you guys like um it's still hobies now you're gonna uh, write a book and um and sort of bank on your fame here a bit or what no oh, we're gonna no. we're gonna club race at netherlands yeah, um, <laughs> look we got a we got a national jervis bay in um, sydney yeah, yeah yeah that's so that's christmas time we'll head over over to do that. So, just for our non-Australian listeners, I'll explain. So, Jarvis Bay or Jarvis Bay in the Jervis New South Bay. Wales, which is absolutely beautiful, and then Jervis Bay in Western Australia, which sounds it does the same, felt differently. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's there's one on each coast, just so people aren't yeah. confused. So, this the fiftieth Hobie Sixteen Nationals, all, all all Hobies together, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they've got 100 boats. 104, 104 now. maybe more so it's now. Yeah. They're, they're really, really putting a lot of effort into running a good regatta. And, um, Out of the Vincentia yeah, Sailing Club? Yeah, really keen bunch of, um, of guys down there, guys and girls down there running it. So um, we're looking forward to that one. Uh, uh, and then, I don't know, maybe the Euros next year where there's no plans to do anything other than, than Hobie sailing at the moment. I can't imagine that... Uh, We'll be jumping in F-18s or doing windsurf. So mates are trying to convince me to do the LT Worlds, but I can't. I can't see me being able to get a leave pass to do that. So mm. stick with babies, you know. Mm. <laughs> I was just. I was looking at the, uh, the the weight divisions at the Worlds, and I think the the heavy weights was like eighty two or eighty three kilos, and that's just that's a laugh, you know. Where did that... <laughs> <laughs> the weight of your head, George. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, don't stand up and show them your chicken legs, Cam. No, no, I'll be, I'll be all right. <laughs> so one of the things, Cam, just as a heads up, you know, obviously you'd know this, is that you can sneak off from Jarvis Bay and get some good windsurfing just down the road a little bit. So. Ooh, yeah, yeah, Jaroa, I'll, um, I'll be taking windsurfing gear this time because I'm only doing the first series. So I haven't, I haven't uh, booked in for the second series. So, yeah, might be a few trips up there. Be, that would be good, actually. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. A fantastic little spot, an amazing spot. Um, I guess the one thing that we've sort of jumped over, Bias, and I don't know um, if we planned it, is that we've got to ask, we kind of like to know how people get into sailing. Like we're interested in what the pathway was. Um, yeah. and so, Suze, what, what was your pathway? Were you, um, were you first in or like did you just want to do it or it was family-led? Yeah, apparently I just wanted to do it. Um, oh. I think I was probably watching America's Cup stuff and a bit excited about what is that sport when I was a kid and asked my dad if I could sail. Um, I was seven and he took me down to um, Mounts Bay Sailing Club and put me in a little mudlark. I don't know if you've seen those. The mudlark? <laughs> yeah, little uh, local WA boat. Yeah. They're yeah. still around. I, I hope they're a great little little boat for kids. Um, pretty much like an old scow moss type mm. shape mm. 
um, yep. get a bit bowed down when you go downwind, which is a bit scary <laughs> when you're a kid in sailing in WA. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, that just um, got me into it. I was hooked, absolutely loved it. Um, I was wanting to coach other kids when I was 12 and help them to get into the sport too. And, um, yeah, I guess just went from there. I've got to say, so um, for those who are not familiar with the geometry of where you sail on the Swan River there, when you're talking Mounts, Mounts Bay and a boat that goes nose down a little bit, um, Mounts Bay's a bit down the river, so, and in WA it blows like crazy um, down towards Mounts Bay, and then um, this, the, the waves are very steep and short and very close together, so it's pretty easy to go uh, down the mine, I would have thought, um, yeah, especially if a ferry goes past you too or a, <laughs> a big power boat or something like that. So. Yeah. And especially in a mudlark where the uh, you couldn't get the mast much closer to the front of the boat. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> it is very close to the front. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, from there just into um, flying ants and then I went across to Perth Dinghy and sailed JDs and um, just loved watching the 14-foot skiffs um, sailing around too. Uh, that was pretty exciting. So, um, yeah, that was always my um, my goal was to go and sail fast, fun boats like that. And you okay. never got big enough for a 14? So no, I'm kind of small. So. Yeah, so, <laughs> perfect, perfect hobby crew. So the, the question then becomes, when did you give up life and become a cat whacker? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One. $10 my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was... Um, what was I doing? I was working. I was working in a, a, a chandlery and um, sail loft um, place in Perth, and um, doing a bit of sail making with my friend Mark Lovelady, and um, and then we sold Hobie cats. And I was sailing four twenties at the time, and I think my friends and I were all sort of starting to get a bit old in the class and looking at what we were going to do next. Um, and you know, you sort of you circle of friends started to drop out of the class and our state championships was down south in in Busselton and a friend and I sort of thought oh maybe we won't drive down there and and do the event our French friend group sort of gone and when you're a teenager it's part of the social side as well doing yeah. your regatta and getting the money to drive down south and do it and um through work um I think it was probably Gav Colby or Steve Field said to me, I'll go up and sail in the crew on a Hobie and sail in the Hobie State Championships up in Geraldton. Um, okay. So that's when, yeah, mate Darren Smith came and picked me up, didn't know who he was. <laughs> and um, we went up to Geraldton and did the state championships. And, um, yeah, from there I just went, well, Hobies are a, a no-brainer. They're a, a great boat. You know, anyone can race them. It's great fun. Yeah. Um, they're affordable. They're easy to sail, they're hard to sail really fast um, and, yeah, didn't look back. Yeah, good, good. It's interesting in the pathway thing, you know, the direction things take you, I guess. So, But, uh, yeah, and now you're world champion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And um, I, I guess for you, mate, um, Cam, the, looking back, I'm, I'm guessing – You've been a you're in the club where you didn't get much of a chance. It was always Cat Salas there where you were in Victoria, like you were with uh, Ashby and all that sort of crew down there, weren't you? Yeah, look, I um 
well, I don't know, because oh, I grew up down in McRae. I sailed at McRae as a kid, and my old man was a keen cat sailor. You know, he was taking us around to Paper Tiger Nationals in the 70s and all the Paper Tiger regattas, and they were mm. huge back in the day. Mm, you know, yeah. And, um, you know, I was started off on, on, on Northbridge Juniors, which was the class that we all had, and Dad took us into the garage over winter and we built us a boat, built one for me and one for my brother and we had a great time putting that together and yeah. came out with Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I was Tweedledum, I've got to say. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we, we sailed them for a few years and I tried fly ants and then um, I wasn't very successful on flying ants and got smashed in this one of those suddenly busters that came through and uh, lost my crew and lost my boat and lost a lot of confidence and, and Dad said... Um, all right, we'll get you back on a boat. He bought me a, bought a mosquito, which is a 16-foot cat, yeah. and said, come crew for me for a season. So I, that was it. I was a cat sailor then. I crewed for Dad for a season and loved that and got my own paper tiger. And I mm. think um, you know, we had a group of about 10 kids all my age who all got paper tigers at the same time and went on and did nationals. And there were 140 boats or something at the first nationals yeah. that we did. And where these 13- or 14-year-old kids getting smashed by adults and get, just getting thrashed and beaten, but it was the best thing that could ever have happened to us. And I I, um, I sort of lament the way youth sailing's going these days where they put all these kids into youth classes where they should be sailing against us and learning from us because you're not going to learn as much from kids. But anyway, that's my soapbox. I'll get off Come that. On. I like it. Um, yeah, and then sailed paper tigers and then A-classes and, there was a, there was, and, and tornadoes and there was a wealth of... Um, of talent back in the day you know when i was sailing tornadoes it was you had mitch and and, mm. and bundy and chris nicholson was sailing and scott anderson and the goodalls and there were just so many good sailors trying to trying for that position it was it was brutal but it was um we were so lucky so lucky to have that and to have that depth of talent um and similarly with a classes there were like ashby and all those guys were racing a classes the whole time you know you really had to be on your game to be competitive um so yeah that's that's what got that's why i was always a cat sailor um because i saw the light quite young and then when i moved to perth <laughs> uh, the hobie 16 I, I hated in melbourne you know i used to bag the crap out of them you know hobie cat boys and Wankers, I, I, you know, I saw guys like LaRuca and Aaron Worrell. I knew they were good sailors, but um, they were just, I, I, my, in my mind, they were cowboys at the time. But I've, I've certainly changed that opinion now. I'm one of them. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and as Sue said, it's a no-brainer. You come over here and they're cheap. Yeah, you can buy one for, you can buy a boat that could win a States for four or five grand, you know. They're just, um, mm. they're, and they're available and there's depth there. And, you know, if, if, um, if, Parents were looking at a boat that could teach their kids how to sail cats. They're much better to spend that money on a Hobie. And if they can beat me and Sue's or Darren or yeah, Gab to the top mark, then they might want to think about getting a NACRA 17 or something like that. Like Jason Waterhouse, he was, he was our uh, Hobie 16 competitor for a long time. You know, we had some mm. really tough tussles with Jason and Lisa back in uh, the Mooloola Bar sort of days in two, the early 2010. And 12, you know, they were... And then Port Melbourne. Yeah, it was great racing. And, you know, that made that transition. And a lot of the other earlier NACRA 17 guys were Hobie sailors because they've got to learn... you got to learn how to sail. you got to learn. And learning from from adults is, um, is, is a, it's a unique opportunity. And I think, unfortunately, their pathways these, the day, these days aren't 
facilitating that. They're, they're, mm. yeah, it's, a worry. it's a worry, and I, I'm sort of concerned about the future of cat sailing in Australia, to be honest. Mm. It's a, it's a really interesting point you've raised there, mate. I think we we need to think about. I, I've got to say the the paper tiger uh, is a pretty cool boat. I've always liked the look of the paper tiger. You know, like they, um, you know that if you haven't seen one, it's worth a look at one because they they look they look pretty funky. But uh, Nedlands Yacht Club, I remember when I was a little fella, they had the paper tigers and the tornadoes. And they had this thing called the Yvonne, I think it was called. Like oh, yeah, Yvonne, yeah. The world's biggest <laughs> catamaran that you're not going across an ocean in, you know, local course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, there's still Yvonne's at Rockingham and at Frankston, I think. They're the only two clubs in the country that have uh, Yvonne's. Like, I'm not too sure if they're still at Frankston, but, um, yeah. yeah. there's certainly a fleet down at the Cruising Yacht Club in Rockingham yeah. over here. Yeah, you can right. get your ride if you want one. Oh, no, I'm good. I reckon you would never want to cross tax with one of those things, though, because I reckon oh. it would just destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, your money would be in the Avon for sure. <laughs> so, but um, there's something clear with the 16s, though. If people have competed in them in the past, they generally stick around the class for a long, long time. Like, yeah, they come back. Like, oh, oh, they stay in there. It is a real community. Uh, it really is. You know, mm. a, lot yeah. of, a lot of people are, are you know, wedded to it. It's um, it's just fun. Yeah. It's, okay, I've got to challenge this, right? So here's the question, right? So yeah, obviously I, I, I hear you guys talk about the Hobie 16s. I talk to a bunch of people, obviously mates with Jason Lease, you know, um, the Waterhouse family, fantastic people, right? Watched a bit of the video stuff of your little mates running around at the Worlds there with their little video <laughs> session. Um, what uh, everyone loves, everyone according to all the uh, all the media coming out. Now at Barkerati, we don't we don't believe that for a sec. So has anyone ever punched on? Like you're all living in the same spot. Have we ever seen a punch on or anything like that? Is it is it broken down? Has the love disappeared at occasionally or not? No, nah. no, nah, nah. never once. Beautiful. Yeah. Come, come by arm, my lord. Yeah, all, all smiles and, we're and all, kisses. We're all pretty fierce on the water, but when we hit the beach, we that's it. We oh. we switch we switch off um, from the sailing part, and we yeah we all have a good time together. I'm sure there I'm sure there are examples, but uh, not none that we've sort of been involved in or can can remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, look, I think it, it's good though. You can, if, if something happens on the water, you can go and have a conversation um, yeah. with the other party about it on the beach and um, most of the time resolve things pretty yeah. well. Okay. Well, we'll take you at your word, but okay. Then we have to throw the other question. Uh, and Susie, you've witnessed me do some stupid things, you know, in training camps and stuff like that to try and cause a little bit of humour or um, bring bring the fun. Um, uh What um, what about the banter on the water? You know, like uh, do you do you use the psych out game at all, or are you really quiet? How does that go? Oh yeah, we've heard you talking about this. Yes. Um, I have to be quiet, Jordan. <laughs> I've been told to pull my head in. Pull your head in, Cam. I, I get in trouble if I speak out there. So I'm totally focused on not saying anything because I get yeah. in trouble. Look, we, I think we just, we just sail. We're different in a championship, like a major championship, like a Worlds. As a pair on the boat, we're quite different than we are in club racing. Yeah. Um, 
will probably hear us getting a bit fiery between each other um, racing around on the Swan River. But mm. when we, we get to a Nationals or a Worlds, we're just, we're just sailing. We're just um, kind of focused on that. I don't think we, we don't really um, do too much for the other competitors, do we? On the water. Um, I, I really, yeah. I, yeah no. Cam used to shave his head and look a bit scary, but <laughs> I think he's grown out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we promote heavily maximum banter. Both well, on actually, and off, the, on and off the water. The one, the one thing that I do do, Jordan, just to try and put the competitors off, is I do not shower during regattas. So that's um, <laughs> maybe on the beach. I might be putting a few people off. But that's that's one thing I I don't like to shower during regattas. So that that's probably mm. the one. Don't write that in your notebooks, kids. <laughs> that's good. It's good. You don't need to waste that time. <laughs> How do we feel about that one, Suze? <laughs> Look, um, he, yeah, he doesn't smell. Um, the, the, the one time yeah. I did shower, this is serious, and this is not a superstition, though. The one time I did shower in, in Florida, the water wasn't that clean and there were dead fish and there was this mm. red, red tide and it was, you know, the waves would break and you'd be coughing because of the, this algae stuff that was blowing around. And, and I did shower and the next day I went out and crushed her hand. So I think, yeah, that's... Mm. Uh, Dying not to shower. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Definitely not a superstition then. Mm, no. No. <laughs> no, I've never showered. I never, I, you know, I don't shower. Swim. Just, I he swim. I'll go sea. for a swim and, yeah. uh, you know, use salt water shower. I prefer I can that. dunk him if I need to. But it didn't work <laughs> in Florida because the water was just, ugh, oh. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. unusual. No, look, I, I, I honestly say that you've probably put every sailor off, mate. You're done. You know, you've... You've yeah, it's a bit weird. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't see you making it onto a big boat team with that approach. Oh, no, you, 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 you're right there. and You probably couldn't see me on a big boat team when you see me on a, on a boat either. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Two bit of edgels, um, oh, that's years ago. That was pretty oh, bit hard, yeah. wasn't it? No, no. <laughs> yeah, if they've got one big long hull, it's probably not for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the, the the question uh, we're sort of coming to the end of the time. So the question I want to ask for you both, uh, from my end, um, what what boat would you like to try? What boats are you looking out there? You know that you go, oh gee, I wish I could have a blast on one of those. Oh, an Outram of forty five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely one of those. Yeah, or oh. maybe a bigger one. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, yeah, the no, new the, I, um, the new fifty two, the fifty five. They, they look lovely. Yeah. No, no, we're, we're the old. No, we're the old school one, John, the one that looked more like the Hobie Cat. You know, yeah, yeah. The banana-looking yeah. ones, they're the ones that we like. Okay. Yeah, um, probably in the Med, we hear it's a good place to oh, try them. Maybe the Pacific. Yeah, you that's know. why we can't quite agree on that yet. So okay. Have to wait no, look, I've, I've, I like the F-18, but it's just um, a commitment that I just don't have time to try, and so it's a little bit too small. So we're pretty happy on the 16 for the time being. We tried it. It didn't work out so mm, well. No. <laughs> Do you have... Um, how about foiling? Do you want to get out there and give that a crack? Oh, not not in a not in a yacht racing sense. Like probably maybe on a sailboard or a wingding, just mm. just for some leisure time. But I have no desire to get in an arms race and get into foiling or anything like that. Where we're, we're sort of happy on a production one design boat where we don't have to worry about developing anything we don't have to worry about different foils or different center boards or sails for conditions so it's just not something i could be bothered with to be honest okay 
So it, just to that point then, because you make you made some good points, you know, like you're in a happy place, you can it's something you're enjoying, you can keep doing it for a long time. There's going to be people listening that are going, oh, maybe I should go this Hobie 16. So what's the weight set up? What's the range, you know, what sort of combinations work? Well, we're all shapes, different shapes and sizes in the class. So, yeah. you know, sort of say to anyone, um, you, can, you can sail the boat. Um, it doesn't matter what you look like, how big or small you are. Um, but there's a bit of an ideal combination. So the minimum weight for sailing in the open fleet is 129.3. Yep. Um, so as a combo, Each? it needs to be... Oh, as a combo. Least- yeah, it's a combo. So oh, okay. I was going to so say, I'm nearly there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that that's a, like I'm 80 kilos and Sue's is about 50, so we're 130. So we're quite close to that. And um, that's fortunate that Sue's is so little. But there were teams up around, like Mitch was sailing in the worlds and he was, he was struggling a little bit in, in some of the lighter gear, but he was 150-odd kilos and, and, you know, he was still in the top 20 of the worlds. Good sailor, mm-hmm. but so yeah, some between 130 and 150 is probably a, a reasonable weight range. Right. Yeah. Right. And generally, you want the ba- the weight on the back of the boat. Yep. So a bit more power um, on the main sheet on the back of the boat. But it does. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Two seventy, seventy five, two seventy, seventy five kilo guys can eat or girls can easily sail it and go well. Like there's plenty of teams that are that that weight structure. Right. Yeah, okay. Well, so um, I might have to sail it single-handed, I think. is uh, <laughs> Well, Jordan, they're set up. You, 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 they're set up to be parent, kid, yeah. partner, yeah. partner type boats. You yeah. look on the podium and yeah. there's you know, quite a number of – there's you know, almost half of them are women, I think. Oh, there was two. There was one male team and the rest of them were male female no. sort of teams and, and there's a lot of father-son or father-daughter or even yeah. mother-daughter type teams floating around the place. So – you know, as two grown men, 80 kilo men, they're probably not the boat to get with an F-18 or something like that. But for a family sort yeah. of boat that, that's flexible enough to sail with kids and partners, they're, they're perfect. And that's probably why they've been so successful over such a long period of time. No, that's cool. It's good. Yeah, it, it's good. It is good. because, And that probably what leads to some of the, you know, the, the happiness in the fleet, you know, there's that because when you get mixed, mixed crews, we found, you, you know, you, you get a lot more... It's a lot more fun, uh, I think, is the best way to describe it. Um, so where to next? What is the next world then? I think I got it wrong. I don't know. We don't know. Well, it hasn't been announced yet. Oh. So, um, yeah, the big one is the 50th Nationals yep. at the then, end of the year. Maybe. And then we've got our eye on the European Championships yeah. next year. They'll be in July in Italy. Ches- Chesnatico in Italy. So right. maybe. Uh, if we can mm. get across Another that. good location. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, just waiting for the announcement of the next World Championships. Mm. Do, you, do you get, uh, as the World Champions, do you get to decide? <laughs> we get, no, no. <laughs> no. Not much comes with being a World Champion, Jordan. I've got to say, we get a, a name on a trophy and uh, that's probably... T-shirt and a hat. Yeah. Yeah, not even a T-shirt and a hat. I've got, well, I've got the hat, but um, no, it's just... just just the uh, the name on the trophy and, and being in a pretty select group, which is uh, which is the outcome, and we don't get say in in, in definitely where the next worlds are. Oh, oh well, Either we way. should though. Yeah, I like the idea. That's a good I, idea. I, I, 
I think I think we should be able to do that, and we should get a watch or something, you know. Yeah. Oh, Rolex. Like, 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 like it's like a, <laughs> like a ring, you know, like, like a, a Super Bowl ring or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it, love it. Awesome. All right. Well, mate, uh, for both of you, uh, we were. You know, you know how happy I was. I was cheering for you the whole way, and uh, I'm super ecstatic that you got the win. And and massive congratulations! Thank Couldn't you. happen to a nicer pair, so I'm very happy for that. Um, <clears throat> and hopefully, you get a few more. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks very much, Jordan. It's been we know you've been watching us, and it's been good to um, to receive that feedback. So thanks, thanks a lot, and we'll be trying. That's for sure. <laughs> and despite Jordan's constant cat whacking bashing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a big fan. We all are. So congratulations um, Thank you. again, and yeah, really. We, top we know. Effort. We know John loved cats because he's actually <laughs> been down. He's been down polishing our boat at Malula Bay. <laughs> years ago. Don't forget that, mate. He loved it so much he came and polished. I did. <laughs> oh, shut up! Don't tell people. <laughs> I love it. All right, cool guys. Right. We'll leave you in peace, Thanks, guys. Say good day and remember. Have a good day. Put my photo above the bar at Nedlands and send it through to Boston. (laughs) Have a hobby day. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of fun, that one. Obviously, uh, good friends with that pairing and Mm. um, super happy for them to win. And, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe – I thought maybe a Hobie 16 in the future, but no, too big. Successful campaigns. Yes. Oh, yeah, way too big. Way too Unless big. Unless it's 50, blowing <laughs> 50. <laughs> uh, they wanted to uh, – they said they forgot to plug Vicobi and uh, obviously Pat Langley, uh, our mate at Vicobi, he's um, he's getting a free plug there, go, because they put all the uniforms together. I think Sue's did a lot of work. She's she's quite tied in with Pat, a bit like us. So, um, yeah, yep. uh, thought doing that. But uh, it sounds like a pretty good class, the 16s, you know. They're – um, yeah, good on on and off, as they explain. And like you said, they go to all these flash joints. Yeah. I could almost see like a club med hosting the world or something. Yeah, yeah, Turks yeah. and Caicos, maybe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that is probably the last time I sailed a Hobie 16 as well. <laughs> <laughs> what was um, – who was telling me? Uh, oh, I was talking to Slingsby's uh, lovely partner, Um and she was telling me how they were at, a, at one of those resorts and they decided to go and take the Hobie or whatever it was out for a sale. <laughs> and um, can, well, can the, no, it was the laser. It was the laser. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, she said that the guy on the beach is – because Tom's so quiet, he doesn't talk himself up at all, right? And the guy – Oh, he the, didn't have his gold medals on? No, he didn't have his gold medals no. around the neck. Yeah. And um, the guy on the beach is trying to give him instructions on how to sail a laser. <laughs> <laughs> Push it away from you. <laughs> towards you <laughs> she said oh she's so close to saying something but tom would never and he's just humbly listening you know like i think that's just hilarious you know me i'd probably be just go dude <laughs> mate have you seen what's hanging around my neck yeah <laughs> let me tell you how awesome i am um yeah uh yeah yeah so yeah that, a lot of fun but uh, yeah cool um what else right uh other events events coming up what's going on is there much oh, going on? there's a couple on the brew. There's a couple on the brew. What have we got? Well, and we're kind of coming into the um, well, like I said at the top of the show, the the uh, opening day season is upon us. So all the clubs are all firing up. Everyone's getting out there, brushing off the cobwebs, and uh, especially in Oz. Yeah. Is. 
Well, um, one of them is the 16 club. All the 16 sailors will be uh, big up on Lake Macquarie there at Belmont because this year is mm. their 100th year of sailing out of there. So this weekend there's actually a two-boat regatta on. So the 16's having a two-day regatta, two-boat, two-day regatta um, uh, on this weekend. So that would be one... Good fleet too, Good the fleet. 16's. Yeah, yeah. And they've yep. had a real resurgence of late. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, lake has an overflowed up there. Oh, with all the rain that's bloody happening. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that, boss. Yes, I wonder. I wonder. A lot of rain going on. Oh, gee. I hope, yeah. I hope everyone's okay. But um, yeah, that'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, so that that's on. So if you want to have a bit of a follow up on that, or you're an old sixteen sailor, or anything along those lines, then um, probably worth having a bit of a look. See. Um, the other thing that's going on is starting this week is the IQ Foil World Champs mm-hmm. in Brest in France. So this is the uh, Olympic class, basically. It's the it's the class that the the new Olympic sort of boat or the wing surfers are out of. So um, have you tried one, boys? Um, negative. negative. I saw a couple. I've seen them getting around. Yeah, they kind of. I saw one out at yesterday, actually, out at, from Brighton, and they look pretty cool. They are cool. But, uh, we know BPs. They look as though I do a lot of, uh, do myself a lot of injuries. Yeah. BP's a massive fan, as we know. Um, I think we're going to do a bit of a chat to one of the sailors. Uh, we've got it sort of half lined up. So, because mm-hmm. um, we haven't done much on the IQ falling stuff. And remember when uh, we had the falling tack. Happen. Um, BP was all fired up and said, that's a game-changer gold medal right there. And you and I both said, well, we think everyone will be doing it by the time the Olympics comes around. I have yep. started to see a few videos of that going on where people are more and more doing falling tacks. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that's happening 14th to the 22nd of October. So if you're interested in that, there'll be good coverage. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch how the... Um, all the Olympic athletes that have been training non-stop 365 days a, a year are going to go. I think it'll be quite interesting to see what what the trends are. Yeah, she'll are. be pretty tight at the top. But yeah, like I say, it'd be good to see what mm. see what the trends are. Mm. Mm. But so we're interested viewers. Uh, both agree that we'd be last in the fleet. <laughs> um, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> uh, listener of the week, the Jack Lloyd Listener of listener. the Week. Got any uh, nominations on your end? Well, I saw a couple come across mm. the desk this week. Mm. Um, namely, we had uh, one from Will Anthony, who's been, you know, loves the show. He's going to see us all in Lincoln. He's been up in, uh, where was he, Port Douglas? Yeah, yeah the, just talking about that yacht club up there, the Port Douglas Yacht Club. And um, he's. I think he was trying to get us to talk it up, um, which is cool. No problems at all with that. Um so they've got a race week up there in May coming up, uh, obviously in half a year's time. And uh, he's in town. So what he's saying is you've got to go from South Australia for the, the keelboat season ending in April up to um, back up to Port Douglas. So that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty long sail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. You're right. But our other one we had come through is from Phil Shearer, oh, who yes. is, as he alludes to himself, is a Commodore. He's also a cat whacker mm. and, uh, of Tauranga Yacht and Powerboat Club. 
which is a great part of the world mm. up in the over in the land of the long white cloud. I won't read his first paragraph oh, okay. that he sent through. <laughs> oh, what about the second one? The second one, yeah, he was talking about the when we spoke about the foiling for the uh, parasailers. Yeah. And uh, he thought maybe the wetter trimaran could yep. come into play. Yeah. There's a bit of Kiwi bias in that, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It could do, I suppose. I wonder if – I guess they can sit centred in the wetter and yeah. and do that. So that could that could work. High yeah. stability. So yeah. that could work, absolutely. Yeah. They, they do capsize, though. They have they have capsized. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. It's a possibility. Possibility. Uh, they've got self-tacking jibs on the wetters now. They used to. They used to be a non-tacking jib, so they've started to go self-tackers, and um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that could be interesting. But uh, it's simple to sail. Probably all I can handle these days. <laughs> You'll be right on a wetter, actually. Oh, why? You'd love it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to have a go, mate. Nice windy day. I'd love to have a go. Why not? All sailing's good sailing, if you ask me, mate. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Okay, so um, I'm leaning to uh, Phil for the win there with his catwhacker comments being from New Zealand. Phil's going to have that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what, Phil, when I head over to NZ, I'll bring some merch packs with me, maybe do the rounds, (laughs) drop them off. (laughs) Those mythical merch packs, hey? (laughs) Um, you know what is nearly done and dusted as we go to air is... Uh, oh, you know what? You know what we should do, boss? Do you tell? Ole, 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 oh. ole. Hot, hot, hot. It's hot time with Bice. Yeah, that's me, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's you, bud. Yeah. Um, so we do have a little one... Um, Something that we promised we would be doing at some point in time, mm-hmm. which we just, what are we going to call that? A Peter out. A Peter out, yeah. <laughs> the Wally Worlds are on. Yes. Uh, Wally Worlds um, coming up, which is a uh, the in the Windsurfer LTs. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we resolved this. Were we allowed to call them Wallys? Uh, did we resolve it? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh, today's the last day, I think. Um, let's call them Wallys. Let's just why not? I can't yep. see a reason why not. Um, so they've got um, all the different weight divisions. They've got, uh, as I said, the, I, I saw the the heavyweights were about eighty three kilos or something. <laughs> so well, there's no way we're doing the Wally Worlds. It's just well, no. you can do them, but I, you'll be a heavyweight boss. Did you make the heavyweights? Would I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depend yeah, on definitely. If, if you're doing your bike riding or not. Um, That's right. Yeah, so we're, we're right near the end. It looks pretty good in, I, I'm going to, the weight class, the lighter weight class, the Italian Marco Casagrande is looking the goods at the moment, got a good lead there. See, there's a lot of uh, wallies, a lot of wallies going into the next weight class. Um, Stefan Vandenberg, the Dutch, geez, the Dutch, Talk about the Dutch. The they Italians. love it. They love a good windsurfer too. The Dutch. Yeah, but the Italians and the Dutch are the resurgent nations at the moment. If looking when you run through all the results, um, mm. they are the resurgent nation. I reckon. Um, I'm just trying to flip through. There's a lot of entries. So the C category, which they don't. I can't remember. Here we go. Here's the heavyweights. I reckon. It looks like Alessandro Alberti, Italian against another Italian against another Italian. So uh, 
<laughs> Italy's going to be winning that class. Let's go down and see if we can find... Uh, what do we hear? Ricardo, 89 kilos. Right, we're starting to get to decent size. Him Ricardo Giordano, an Italian, in front of a Dutch sailor, Harold Efring. Uh, Efring. So, uh, domination there. What's going to happen in the women's fleet? Let's have a bit of a look. Gee, there's some a few. Um, and Italian, many, um, Italian sailors. Laura, how many? How many boards are we seeing at the world? Do you reckon? Oh, actually, up there, eh? It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. Uh, our, our friend Sarah Kenny at fifth in the the women's. So oh, the, yeah. the lovely Sarah yeah. Kenny, who does so much for the sport of sailing. So congratulations, Sarah. Looking pretty good. But uh, Laura Linares is uh, looking the good there. She she has. Uh, she's got quite a margin there, so no, no threats to her. So, but there's, the last day's on. Jump on if you want to have a look at that one as well. Anything else going on, my friend? Well, the Lavoie de Saint-Tropez has just been completed in what was seen to be a very light week. Mm. So we saw the flying Nika, for example, flying around Sardinia during the Maxi Worlds. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they were quite stuck this week, let's say. Yeah, in, right. In uh, yeah. Saint-Tropez. So the only winner there... Is was all the rosé that got drunk? I yeah, reckon. Yeah. Did you go for the racing to Saint Tropez, or is it just to be seen? Mm, just to be seen. Just to be seen in the white linen. In the white linen, yes, yes. Drinking the rosé for oh, sure. It always seems strange yeah. to me that white is such a strong colour. Like um, even the navy, you know, everything's white. I, I wonder. I wonder mm. why sailing has to go the whites, you know, because it gets wet and see through. Yeah, it's a bit of a tradition there, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. So. Yeah, having donned the whites yesterday myself, yeah, I'm yet to find the exact historical, historically why we actually wear the whites. But that's a good little bit of research for me today. Mm, mm. Um, M32 mm. worlds are on right as we speak. There's only another couple of days to go. Um, yep, the famous Chinese sailor PJ Posma is leading, um, leading that event. Just um, you, you, you've met PJ in China, of course. Bossy? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of the Dutch sailors. Then Dan uh, Cherish on Extreme 2 in second and Blitzen, uh, uh, an actual Dutch team with Peter Tesseler. Jeez, the Dutch are on fire at the moment. Yeah, they love it. Our, our two passions, mate, sailing and cycling, and it's just Dutch, Dutch, Dutch. What's Dutch going on? everywhere. I know. They're yeah. big units too, and so we can't complain, you know, can't complain about size being about- disfavoured. <laughs> Oh, that's right and then of course the other one we had was the actual world which was quite a while back a week or so back which had a winner the, um with nothing terribly super to report no mold 11s i don't believe turned up based on the new world sailing um recommendations of things to do but in saying that keeping my ear to the ground there are probably six or seven boats that have um, undertaken the mods in SA, right? uh, in, in Australia for that, that matter. right? Wow. Jeez, so we'll incredible. be seeing them at, um, during the nationals at the CYC of SA in uh, January. The accordion etchels. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the wow. fold-up etchel. Fold-up etchel. <laughs> and, and, uh, Fits you... in the container pretty well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what's what's next for us, my friend? Are you, are you got any regattas coming up? 
No regattas apart from those particular etchels, um, which will be taking place in January. But pre that is, of course, the launch, well, the State Sailing League, which Mm. will be taking place um, in Port Adelaide in the inner port under the banner of the Dockside Festival, um, which is about to be launched. And I'll be sure to be peppering our socials with all that information. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the second greatest race, the Sydney to Hobart. Yes, right. Okay, cool. So, uh, third time lucky. We'll see. <laughs> see if you can go down. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Like, I've got to say that uh, the little there's been a, there was a huge response to that little um, uh, race day, race coverage we did every few hours. I think during mm. the Hobart, a lot of people seem to enjoy that. So, um, you know, probably best you don't go south. Yeah, just so we can do some commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, mate. All right, well, that was a good one. Um, Look forward to everyone enjoying their sailing, to the Australian sailors out there. back. Your season's back on and having a good time. Um, Yeah. Everything good is happening, I think. Yeah. Things are warming up. Yeah. Get out there, have a crack. Cool. All right. Nice, mate. Enjoy your week, buddy. You too. See everyone. (laughs) 